Hello, and thank you for listening to the Teaching Math Teaching Podcast. The Teaching Math Teaching Podcast is sponsored by the Association of Mathematics Teacher Educators, a community of math teacher educators learning to teach math teachers better. I'm your host, Joel Amadon, and joining me is Dusty Jones. Hey, Dusty, how are you? Hey, great, Joel. How are you doing today? Fantastic. You know, Dusty, today we are talking with Babette Benkin and Ann Wheeler. Babette is the Richard D. Green, Professor of Mathematics Education in the Department of Mathematics and Statistics, and the Director of Graduate Studies in the College of Natural Sciences and Mathematics at California State University, Long Beach, and also, another title, AMTE Vice President for Publications. And, and Anne is a professor in the Department of Mathematics at Texas Women's, Women's University and one of the Associate Vice Presidents for the Contemporary Issues in Technology and Teacher Education Journal, also known as the Site Journal. Our conversation with Anne and Babette is meant to be a primer on the number of ways teachers of math teachers can share through publications, the great things they are doing in their spaces with other teachers of math teachers. Welcome, Anne. Welcome, Babette. How are you? Excellent. Nice to be here. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you so much. Awesome, awesome. So uh, we said a lot there. That was a, that was a decent-sized paragraph that I read off, but uh, we wanted to learn a little bit more about uh, each of you. So, Anne, do you want to go first and maybe say a little bit more about yourself other than what I just already read? Yeah, thank you so much, Joel. So um, I am currently in Texas, but I grew up in Arkansas. Um, I actually was a junior high math teacher there. And so I, I did that for a few years when my husband got his degree at the University of Arkansas. And so um, I taught algebra and it was kind of a really fun experience. Um, but I really kind of felt like uh, I would like to do more. And so I went on to um, my chair from my um, undergraduate degree had a had kind of encouraged me to go on to school to get a graduate degree um, from the University of Colorado. So I went ahead and went there and then I did a lot of um, teaching of different classes and kind of really felt like what I wanted to do was to teach like pre-service or in-service teachers. And so kind of that's where it leads me where I am here because um, from there I went ahead and went to uh, Texas Women's University, which was a, a really great opportunity. And I really enjoy the work that I do there with, with my uh, teachers, future and current teachers. So Fantastic. And Babette, uh, and we, uh, we, we had a previous episode with you, but you know what, let's, let's hear some more. Let's, uh, let's get, what, what's your background, Babette? Um, well, overlaps a little bit with Anne's. Um, and I started also, well, before K-12, I started in a pure math doctoral program out on the East Coast at Tufts University and ended up transitioning. I fell into K-12 by teaching a summer program for, for high schoolers and just fell in love with that age group. So I ended up teaching middle school and high school for five years. And similar to Anne, I just wanted to do more. Um, I was doing a lot of training of our new teachers and mentoring and advising. And I decided I really wanted to work with teachers. Um, so that's when I went back for the doctoral program at Michigan um, in math education. And my whole time there, I worked in the teacher ed area and taught methods, secondary methods and um did a lot of student teaching supervision and really developed my passion for that. Um, and then the rest, I'll, all of you know about, I then transitioned to university after Michigan and have not looked back since. Yeah, good folks at both of those institutions, both Colorado and Michigan, that I want to talk more, but that's outside of our <laughs> scope today. But you know what, Dusty, I love uh, middle school math teachers. You know, like that's, there's there's a unique energy there with regards yeah. to being middle school math. And I, I really enjoyed my 
practicum experience in middle school, I got a chance to like do some fun stuff, but it was just, it was a unique time. So that's oh, good. Eighth graders are a handful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I only have ever had one section of eighth grade. I don't know how people take all classes of eighth grade. <laughs> yeah. The, the only eighth graders I had were at a, when I taught at a small private school and there were some eighth graders taking algebra one with the rest of the ninth graders. And, and uh, those, those guys were, were ridiculously funny and, <laughs> yeah. uh, and also socially backwards. So socially backwards. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Helping negotiate all sorts of different ways. Of, graders of aren't far behind. That's right. <laughs> no. Yeah. That's right. Um, awesome. So, uh, you know, we're here to talk about, you know, kind of being a, a steward of the profession, right? So we're, we're thinking about uh, being teachers and math teachers and great stuff's happening or things that, you know, we share and we, we have opportunities to share at, at conferences like AMTE or NCTM or NCSM. There's, there's outlets to share in uh, more broadly outside of your classroom or even in your district or whatever. But there's also places, um, district or university, there's also other places that you can share and that's in writing. And so thinking about the number of opportunities that exist within AMTE and so, um, just in general, and then there's more broadly again, like we said. So why is it important for teachers of math? Or um, Let's go back. Sorry. Let me rewind a little bit. Um, and a little bit more about you. I want, I want to, sorry, going from the middle school math class there. So how did you start teaching math teachers? So going from that wanting to teach more, like dive a little bit more of that story, and then we'll, then we'll dive into the publication piece. Yeah. So, so when I did teach um, junior high, I mean, it wasn't, it was a really great experience, I think, especially for now what I do, because I think it's more authentic because I actually have some experience um, teaching in the public schools, but I just really felt like I felt called to teach, but I didn't feel like that was the right level to teach. And so when I went to University of um, Colorado, Northern Colorado to be able to teach, um, what's really great about that program is they allow us um, have a a great variety of classes we can potentially teach. And so I started off teaching pre-service teachers my first year there, and I taught number sense classes. And so I really really fell in love with that content because it was something to where when I learned, I think uh, mathematics, I was very procedural as far as my learning. And I don't know, I hate to even call that learning because it was, you know, like, I I don't know. I didn't really understand it. I was good at doing it. I was good at doing 50 of them. Um, (laughs) Mimicking. Right. Yeah, yeah mimicking, exactly. Yeah. I yeah, mimicking that's so much a better word. Yeah. So I was really good at that. But then when I had to actually teach, I mean, I know we all feel this way. I think um I think you finally actually truly learn the content. And so um there, as I'm sure at, at a lot of universities, you really understand the conceptual understanding of it, right? Like the pictures and things like that. You have mm-hmm. more tools in your toolbox. And so um I just fell in love with teaching then, you know, because I really felt like, and I know a lot of the teachers that are pre-service, like, you know, elementary, they may be scared of mathematics and all that sort of stuff. But for you to be actually able to teach them, like, I don't know, cool ways to learn mathematics. um, I don't know. I enjoyed it. I think maybe more than they did. Um, And so, yeah, so I really fell in love with that. And then when I was there in uh, Colorado, they allowed me to teach that whole the sequence, like the number sense and then the algebra um, and the statistics and, and then on to the geometry and just, I mean, it just kept getting better and better. And so, I mean, I was excited after every class. And so, um, so anyway, so I really felt like, okay, I, I think I'm, I'm where I should be on what I'm doing. And so, um, and then now that I'm at Texas Woman's, like that's what majority of what I do, I do the elementary, the middle, and then the high school or, or in-service teachers have various levels. And so it's just really kind of, I think, great to be able to share that knowledge and hopefully enthusiasm to do it because I think a lot of 
um, teachers may, and I, I think elementary, I think a lot of those classes are like counseling, um, you know, because I think a lot of them hate mathematics or feel like they can't do mathematics. Um, but there's just so much really cool math that you can learn in those grade levels. So, yeah, it's, I, I agree with you. It's, it's confidence building. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think half of my job is maybe teaching math and half is just to try to get them to feel okay with potentially future like teaching mathematics. <laughs> so. Well, I like that word mimicking, because it's like, you know, someone that's get it gets exposed to uh, like an Elvis impersonator. Just we're very close to Memphis. Thank you very much. Uh, we're very close to, you know, so having that Elvis impersonator and just having a bad experience with like, well, I don't like Elvis because of that impersonator versus like you have never even experienced the whole Elvis experience yet. Like, so sorry, I can't. I'm, I'm excited about that Elvis movie coming out. Anyway. You can take the boy out of Mississippi. That's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's right. But, um, but think about that. Like you haven't even like been exposed to actually the, you know, like you're talking about and the, the number sense part of it, like the, all the sorts of things that like really what math is, uh, and cause you just have this surface level sort of thing. And like, I, I, when I was, you're saying that I was nodding the same way. Like I'm very good at like memorization, following directions, all that good stuff. And so it, which led to me, you know, being successful, but I, I don't think I had an understanding as deeply as now I do in teaching it and now teaching of teachers. So well, and I think a lot of us go into mathematics because we're good at it and it's been positively reinforced. Yeah. Um, and it becomes like a puzzle or a game to, you know, to get it right, to get to the end. And, you know, I remember I loved algebra. Um, but I look back, I loved algebra cause I loved following procedures. Oh, I don't yeah. know that it's because I loved algebraic thinking per se, um, now I love that about algebra, having gone through lots of mathematics, but um, I love the challenge of bringing that experience to prospective teachers so that even if they haven't had these wonderful experiences with mathematics, we can give them their first, um, which I think is, is a nice challenge for us. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that, that that personal interaction with a teacher uh, uh, helping you learn about teaching this mathematics and what the, con- the concepts are. And how to help students learn that. I think that one-on-one personal interaction uh, is very important. But Joel, I'm going to kind of bring it to that next question that you started Perfect. on earlier. Thank you. So how, why, why is it important for us to share what we do in writing? I mean, I can use all of my time to work with those teachers, candidates one-on-one. And, and why, why write about it? Um, what, do you, what do you all have to say from your perspectives? I'll jump in. Um, For me, I think a a lot of what I gravitate toward with service is helping people share what they do, um, whether that's in writing or, you know, at a presentation, at a conference. Um, And I think part of it is really that we're a professional learning community and we want to share our best practices, um, but also we have to keep the, the, the field moving forward. And so part of that is engaging in, you know, critical inquiry so that we can then um, develop new understandings about what we do and why we do it and share that as well. Um, So it's building a research and knowledge base, but it's also just becoming a learning community and making sure we all stay connected so that we're not reinventing the wheel in silos. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, because I was gonna say the reinvent the wheel thing, because it, it's really kind of neat how you may be thinking about something, but then you write about it or you read something someone else has written about it, and you're like, oh my goodness, you know, like they already tried that and it failed. <laughs> or, you know, they did really great things with it. And so, you know, I don't have to go back down that path, or maybe I can veer a little bit differently. And so um I, you know, definitely reading articles and things like that have changed, you know, the trajectory of the actual, you know, way I teach. So um, terribly, it's so valuable and to be able to share and even make new bonds. Cause I think I have, have some research groups and partnerships I would never have had if I hadn't written articles. So. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think too, there's something about the process of thinking critically about what you do and putting it in writing that really helps you to conceptualize and think more carefully about what you do, why you do it, and how you can improve. Um, and, you know, I'm still a little bit old school, you know, being the old guard, um, but I still even like handwriting down ideas because there's a lot of early research from the 90s that shows just that uh, motor function of writing things down helps you to process as well. Um, so, you know, it's not as easy to edit that way. We have to get it in the, the word processing eventually, but I, I do think that that time to really reflect and carefully articulate to someone else what you're doing and why you're doing it and what you've learned helps you to even expand what you understand. Nice. And so thinking about that, um, we have a number of ways that people can contribute in a writing format uh, through AMTE. And it's like, I mean, there's actually, when I was looking at like, oh my gosh, there's a number of ways. So what are, what outlets exist for teachers and math teachers to share the great stuff they do to teach math teachers? Oh, at AMTE, we have lots of ways, which is exciting. Yeah, yeah. Um, we have two, um, you know, blind peer-reviewed journals. Um, one, Anne, is now our editor, um, Site Math, and she actually came through on the editorial panel. Um, so working on the panel is a great onboarding to one of our journals, um, both Site Mathematics and Mathematics Teacher Educator. Um, they both have editorial panels that do, you know, the, the reviews of proposed manuscripts um, they have a lot of great conversations on the panel about the journals, so it's a great way to support others with the feedback that you give, um, and it's a great way to jump into actually writing for one of the journals. Um, we also have another blind peer-reviewed publication, Connections. Um, part of Connections serves as the newsletter for the organization. Um, the different committees and opportunities are shared, um, but it's also a place where you can um, publish um, a small piece up to about six pages it can be a way to pull out some, a snippet of a journal article to share best practices. It could be a way to just reflect on what you're doing. It can be a way to share a great tool or um, resource that you've utilized and how you've utilized it. Um, we also have a professional book series. Right now, um, we're in the midst of volume five, which is really going to serve as a handbook for mathematics teacher education. The Working title is Reflection on Past, Present, and Future, Paving the Way for the Future of Mathematics Teacher Ed. Um, we have, uh, we're in the process of notifying um, authors of accepted chapters with feedback. So we're hoping that'll be published through IAP Info Age Publishing in the fall. Um, we also, um, and you can submit a proposal to be editor of a new volume. 
Um, we have a, a on the website, a AMT's website under publications tab, we do have a proposal form um, if you're thinking about a book or a monograph. Um, so please jump in and feel free to, to shoot me a note if you have questions about that. Um, we also have our podcast where people share what they're doing, um, this one, and we also have a, an MTE or Math Teacher Ed Journal podcast. Um, and finally, we have our AMT professional standards for teaching of mathematics, and um, we have a lot of supplementary materials, and periodically we do a call for those, and we're in the process. We've just finished uploading lots of new materials related to that, so and of course, at the conference, right? Sharing what you do and, and what you've learned. Um, so there's lots of opportunities. And within all of those publication opportunities, there's volunteer spaces as well. Well, one thing I, I, I like to, well, and you've done these number of, a number of times at AMT is like, if you've put together the thought for a conference presentation, like that's a that's not that far of a drive to a publication of some sort. So like, I really like that y'all have done that as well as, as, as a way to like help people like, Oh yeah, this, we did have some good ideas here and we had great reception at the conference and now, Hey, there's probably more people that weren't here that could benefit from this. Um, so like thinking about, and just to continue on the, with the outlets is so like, for example, with the site uh, journal, and so what kinds of pieces would people be looking to publish if they wanted, if they're looking at uh, putting something in the site journal? Yeah. So for the site articles that we're looking at, because basically they, we are on that math education track is looking for articles that deal with um, teacher prep and also a heavy emphasis on technology and, and math teacher prep in service or pre-service teachers. And so um, it, it is something to where I would encourage anyone that's listening to this, if they have questions to look at the site website um, and look at some of the past articles, because there's all sorts of different topics. I mean, there's robotics. That's a really one that we've had a couple this past mm. um, volume this past year. And then we had ones dealing with virtual manipulatives, people dealing with videos. Um, but it, it really has to be an emphasis on how the technology um is influencing with the teacher prep. Now, it also can be practitioner or research-based. So um, we want to encourage both types of articles. Nice. And 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 you just recently completed a webinar uh, or the site journal that had a webinar for AMT talking about publishing. So if people want to go deeper with that, we can put a link in the show notes to that experience, right? That's on the yes, AMT absolutely. Website. So yeah, in February, I think it was the 23rd, we did. Um, uh, did one and then we had great participation. I, I thought it went really well. So that would be a great resource to kind of look a little bit more. Um, Allison, even one of the other co-editors of SiteMath, she talks about how she's published in there and, you know, tips and tricks, um, as well as looking at some abstracts, some are from MTE, some are from other outlets to see, okay, if you had this type of article, you really should go that route versus, you know, doing SiteMath. So, because both could have technology in them, but, you know, SiteMath's just, a, you know, maybe a little bit different. So. And it's not illegal to contact an editor, right? Or contact anyone. <laughs> oh, well, I don't know. We give tickets for that. Yeah. It could be a good idea, in yeah, fact, yeah, you know, yeah. to say, hey, I've got this idea. Oh, absolutely. And we really do encourage that. So, and, and I know you had given us some ideas, you know, what would be great advice. And one of those I would say would be to don't worry about contacting us. That would be a great thing because um, we would rather have you all submit something that, you know, makes sense for our journal and, um, you know, would be able to be well received. So that's yeah. a great idea. 
Nice. Same thing with MTE. Um, Mike Steele and Kate Johnson are the new editorial team that are at the helm of the Math Teacher Ed Journal, and they also would be more than happy to receive a quick email with a couple paragraphs on your idea for the article to make sure it's a, it's a good home, but also to give you suggestions for how to get from the idea about your work to the formal manuscript that you're proposing. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll testify like it. I've had lots of interactions with MTE uh, journal editors, uh, Sandra Crespo and Kristen Bieta, uh were very patient with with myself and Stephanie Casey. We had this article that we we wanted to talk about everything, <laughs> and it was like focus, focus, focus. 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 <laughs> yes, yes. So and and also too, there's going to be uh, a podcast uh, on the MTE podcast feed, which we'll have links to in the show notes as well. Um, that we also did future- a webinar for MTE in the fall. Oh, nice. And the whole okay. purpose of it was helping people um, go from, you know, their, their work and their ideas to a manuscript. Um, and so there's a lot of great suggestions for um, how to craft a manuscript so that it's appropriate and um, for MTE, but also captures your ideas in a way that, um, you know, is scholarly, but also, you know, MTE is like site math. It's really that that sweet spot between, you know, scholarly work and research and what you do in practice mm-hmm. um, and how they inform each other. And, and just cause it's, and maybe it's a little bit, you know, you, you mentioned it like the, a book proposal, which sounds daunting, right? But it's not like you're writing a whole book. You have a proposal for a book and you call for chat. So I don't know if you could briefly explain that sort of process. Can I, uh, can oh, I yeah. jump in just a bit? You know, so I, when you, when you mentioned that, Babette, the book proposal, the, the neuron in my brain fired from like two years ago when I was having a conversation at the AMT conference with you and a couple of other people, I won't name to call them out. And I had this idea of like this book proposal and it's just been sitting like on a to-do list and never getting crossed off. So maybe one day I'll do that. Um, but I don't want to give away my idea cause somebody might steal it and then I'll, I'll, it'll, and I don't know, maybe it, it's a, it's a, it's a mediocre idea. I need to talk with you Bebet, about this, maybe not on Absolutely. the air, <laughs> but yeah. How, how do you, what kind of, what do, what do you mean book proposal? Well, the proposal's not daunting. Um, it's just, you know, a, a few pages where you outline sort of a proposed title, what the goal of it would be, um, how it connects to um, the AMTE, you know, standards and why would it be appropriate for the membership of AMTE. Mm-hmm. Um, you talk a little bit about how you think you might outline the book, you know, how you'd want to organize it. Maybe, you know, the, the initial chapter kind of overviews the book and then what get whatever your idea might be, um, you know, what would those chapters might, mm-hmm. might they look like briefly? Um, and then we also like you to, to talk about that, who would be the editorial team and what's their mm-hmm. background. Um, and then finally, the last part of the proposal is really just, if you're going to solicit chapter proposals mm-hmm. for this book, what would we throw out there to people? So what mm-hmm. would the solicitation look like? Yeah. Um, and it's, it's hard to craft those actually. You want to get to the point, but you also want to have enough information that people can craft a proposal for, you know, that's appropriate and that's, um, captures all the information you'd need to make decisions. Um, and just know that I'm there to work with you. So when Mm -hmm. you turn in a book proposal, there's a process of a few months where we, you know, kind of go back and forth. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, if, if I have questions, I throw them out there. I give suggestions for, um, how to improve, particularly that solicitation that would go out to the public. 
um, and we get it to a point where everybody feels good about it. Um, and then I take it to the board and we have conversations about it. Um, it goes back. We, you know, we make mm-hmm. more um, modifications and it, that whole process, you know, just like writing a manuscript really helps you to think more critically about your idea mm-hmm. um, to where what ultimately gets out there is, is a much better product. Great. Um, and then ultimately it's, it's board approved. Um, and then I scaffold you through that whole process of soliciting um, proposals for the book. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah. So like you've got the logistics of it is you, you've got kind of a system there, but then, you know, the idea and the creativity behind what the book is, because like, you know, the first publication, what was the case study book, right? With, uh, was it uh, Marta and Marta Seville and Dorothy White and Sandra Crespo, right? It, like with the case studies on different things that could happen in a, a, a kind of a teacher education, math teacher education exactly. scenario. It's a foster equity with a focus. There was on equity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was a pretty, like where they had the cases and they had different people reacting to it. So like, that's pretty, a pretty creative, like idea to, and, and necessary and needed for like, mm-hmm. Hey, there's some difficult situations that happen. How do I, what are, what are some ways to respond or think about or process this situation? So that, that was amazing. And so thinking about the things that you can do with a, a book proposal. It's, it's kind of good. We're so we'll maybe exactly. Dusty, maybe next week we'll, we'll talk to you about yours uh, on the next episode. Give and me a little more time out there again. You're going right. to get that email from me, Dusty. Uh, I, I'm happy to get that email. It's something uh, I, again, I, <laughs> I'm building it up in my mind that it's something really cool, but really I just don't want to like, it's not fully formed. So, okay. um, and that's okay. Yeah. I mean, the, it, it becomes more fully formed when you get it on paper mm-hmm. um, or, in the document. Um, but I can also help you fully form it. Yeah. Um, so you can throw out, here's a sketch of a proposal. What do you think? Um, to just keep the process moving forward. Yeah. So a preferred future for me, uh, 12 months from now is to not be thinking again. Oh yeah. It was three years ago that I thought about, but to, but to take some actionable steps toward that, have that conversation with you again, off the air. Um, so we well, can, and now that you've cooked your chair hat, you're yeah. ready for that, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So, uh, this next question, maybe we dedicate it right to dust. No, um, what is the best, we'll, we'll take them off the hot seat. Uh, what is the best advice you received when you started writing for publications? And anyone can answer this one, but maybe, and we mentioned one about, Ooh, Hey, talk I, the other. I am flashing back to a conversation I had with my doctoral advisor, um, Skip Wilson, God love him. Oh my gosh. He was just such a great mentor, but he, you know, when I first threw something out there, he prepped me for it. He said, just know if you get a revise and resubmit or reject, he said, don't take it personally. It's mm-hmm. not about you or your worth. It's about how you communicated what you were trying to communicate. And it just needs to be revisited. Um, and so, yeah, the not taking it personally is, is tough, but it's, it's, it was very true. Very true. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I also think what might be helpful too, depending on like what you plan to write is to kind of look at journals and read some of the articles that are already, you know, like current articles or ones to kind of get a flavor for um, certain journals. So just don't go out there and have a manuscript and send it to, you know, a certain journal and it has nothing to do with what they would want, right? Because obviously you would get a reject and then you would feel bad and, you know, that kind of thing. And it actually might be a really great article. It just may not be a good fit. 
right? So um, I think that's really important. And also I think the idea of just having um, time to write, uh, I think is really great too, because I think a lot of times um, we feel like we're going to write or, or whatever, but we don't schedule it in. <laughs> and then and then you just don't write, you know, like, oh, this other thing sounds so much, you know, like something I need to do right now. But um, I think having calendars set time to be able to write to you, I think is, is really important. Yeah, I'd add too that um, something that I learned along the way, which was really helpful, is that when you do, everyone has had, you know, everyone has had a moment where something's not accepted outright. We've all had that, whether it's turn it back into the same home or find a different home. Um, and, you know, looking back at that process, what's great is when it does get published finally, which it will, when you find that home or you just rework it, um, I was always so glad to have that feedback and to be forced to revisit it because the final product was always so much better mm. than the original thing I threw out there. And I was much happier to have my name on the new product. Um, so it's a process and you learn a lot and um, just don't be afraid of the process, I guess. Yeah. That review, that email that comes and I've gotten a few of them, many of them uh, that's the revise and resubmit or like, Hey, not, not quite. I mean, I've trying to, and, and again, there's always that, oh, you know, but then, you know, think it, my perspective and kind of jumping off with what y'all are saying is like, it's kind of like a love letter. Someone like took some time and looked at my, my, w- the thing that me and a ready team has put out there, like, Hey, here's some ways that you can improve this versus like the worst thing is just to get some like, no, and like nothing versus like, Hey, here's all these ways that if you, and it's almost like, can become like a checklist. Hey, if I do this, this, and this, this thing is going to be so much better. And so taking that sort of constructive feedback, but yeah, I know, I, I know I need to wait a week before I read that letter, that email. But after that, it's like, yes, it's someone's, someone's engaged with put my it down and walk away. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and then come back when you're mentally in a place where you're ready to attack it. That's right. Dusty, how about you? Do you have anything? Any? Well, the things that you're saying were all uh, things that, uh, you know, some of my mentors had shared with me. Um, Rise and resubmit is a win, I think is what I was told. Like, yeah. that's, uh, it's not no. Um, and so it, it kind of reminds me of the dumb and dumber line. So you're telling me there's a chance, you, you know, there's a chance. <laughs> um, but, uh, but it's better than that. Uh, and so, so that, and then also, you know, taking, I do this with teaching evaluations too, like wait till you're ready to look at, at whatever's on this and then don't, uh, with a revise and resubmit, um, I, 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 I guess I'm getting into advice I would give somebody cause I don't know if anybody gave me this, but don't let that usually a revise and resubmit comes with a timeline. Mm-hmm. And so even if you're going to set it aside, uh, make sure that, that you're adhering to that timeline because that editor, would like to see you resubmit that. That's that's why they said revise and resubmit. If they didn't want to read it again, it would say reject. Uh, so try to and try to answer their questions. Um, the other good advice I got uh, from the first article that um, I had submitted uh, from my advisor, he said, you know, take the author comment, take the reviewer comments, and write a cover letter uh, that says here are the here's the comment and and here's how I address that. And uh, now that I've, you know, transitioned uh, from from just an author to also reviewing for other publications, sometimes I get that cover letter that says, here's how the author says, here's how I addressed what you wrote. And I thought, well, that's really good. That's what I wanted you to do. Mm -hmm. Or I wasn't expecting that, but that's a really great way to address that. Um, I'm a tabler, so I put it in a table. 
here's the yeah. comment mm-hmm. and then column the second column is yeah. here's what I did and here's where you can find it yeah and then as uh, in my role as editor of uh, the Texas math teacher it's really helpful if somebody does send something back that's revised and they tell me what they did instead of making me guess you know or here's the article and I have to think okay what I, I, I do I need to go back and read the original article I mean if if I have to I will but um, as the author, I want to make the editor's job as easy as possible. Like, look what I did um, uh, to, to make this to meet what I think you want me to do. So, yeah, well, and for site math. Oh, sorry. For site math, we actually are, we tell people now because it's not part of it, but we do kind of like what does do. It, it just makes it easier. So, yeah. um, I think people like, re, you know, the reviewers like having that there. So, well, and I, I'll speak on behalf of all the editors with AMTE, whether it's connections or the the two journals, um, is if there, if you do get feedback that you don't understand um, and you do sometimes get comments, like, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure what they mean by that. Ask the editor, drop them a note and say, I really don't understand this third comment. Um, Could we connect for a minute or could you elaborate um, because sometimes you do get feedback. You think, did they read my manuscript? Because I'm not <laughs> sure what they're saying. Um, and it's it's just engage in a conversation because you don't want to not address something that they thought was really important just because you didn't understand it. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, just maybe I'm putting words in your, in your editor mouth or whatever, but thinking like you've invested so much into a manuscript, you've gotten it to like, you know, using a baseball metaphor to third base, you know, and like, if they just make these edits and get it, get it in like versus like wanting to like, I got to start over with another one. It's just like, Hey, here are these things that if we just, you, you as editors want, you want, like, I've already invested in this thing. Let's, let's get it. Let's bring it home. Right. So, uh, Joel, I've got one more piece of advice that uh, my colleague, Linda Zintek, uh, Mm -hmm. it's not just advice, but it's kind of what she, how she lives with her, uh, publications. She always, she always tries to have one on, on under review. So she submitted it, um, and, and one that she's working on and maybe one that is accepted. I mean, you know, we can't start with that. You got to get to that yeah. point that just hasn't come out yet. So she tries to, she has like these three zones that she tries to have always something that's, that's already been accepted, something that's under review and something new that she's working on. Um, and so for me, that's inspirational because I'm like, okay, that's how, that's how she has publications. They don't all, they don't all linearly go from step to step to step, you know? Right. Um, but she always tries to make sure she has at least one in each of those categories. And that's how she, you know, keeps getting things published and keeps uh, her work being shown out there. Nice. Um, well, and, and Anne will attest to this, a good way to get started. And this is what we, and we always have a publication session at the annual conference. And this is what we try to um, reinforce is that if you're thinking about you know, if you're working on a manuscript, you're working on a project where you want to then work on a manuscript and you, you think you found a good home, get involved with the journal, you know, sign up to be a reviewer. Mm-hmm. That's a really great way to understand what the journal's looking for, but also um, to see what's submitted and, and what it looks like and whether or not it ultimately gets accepted. Um, so I think just, you know, onboarding as a reviewer is a really great way to get to know the different journals that you're thinking about would be a, a good fit for your work. Yeah. Yes. And we're always looking for reviewers. So <laughs> there you go. Um, 
So what advice, and Dusty kind of answered this already, what advice would you give to someone first starting out to write for publications? So maybe not the best advice you receive, but something that you would, you your best advice that you give to somebody else. I think a good way, um, and it always seemed to, to propel me to get to the point of a manuscript, is get out there and share your work. So um, if you have an idea, throw it to an editor or, you know, sign up to, to put a proposal and to present at a conference. Because the more you get feedback on what you're doing and you talk about it and you think about it carefully, it motivates you and it gets you ready to prepare that manuscript. Um, and, you know, often there's um, moments at conferences when you can meet with editors and talk about mm -hmm. the venue and talk about your idea and if it sounds like it's, it's a good fit. And when you are making those connections at those conferences, you may have others that come from the audience and they're like, hey, I would love to write with you on, on this topic. And so I think a lot of our um, my research that I've done has been because of that. So it's, it's really great opportunities to kind of bounce ideas off of a different people. So. Mm -hmm. Well, and writing um, with others is a great way to, to move forward, too. I always had collaborators and people that I, I did projects with and wrote with. And, you know, when you're meeting somebody else to talk about what we're going to do with that manuscript and it's in your planner. Um, and yes, I still have a physical planner. I like, <laughs> you know Absolutely. me, I like my pen and paper. Um, it, it really, it helps you to keep moving forward. Um, when you've got that time calendared, as Anne mentioned earlier, and there's somebody else, you know, it's a lot more fun to write with others, I think. Um, and it, it keeps you motivated. Definitely echo all those things. Um, so how, this is a personal one, how do you get writing done? And maybe this is already an insight into that, that's paper calendar, but uh, how do you get writing done? That's a good one for this group because we all have taken on a lot of leadership positions. Um, I'm a 50% admin, oversee graduate studies for the college and Dusty's a new chair and Anne's now editor of a a big, um, you know, national publication and does a lot at her site at the university as well. So um, it's hard to get writing done when you take on a lot of leadership positions. Um, but what I love about, particularly going back to AMTE and my hat there is, you know, even though I'm not writing as much myself, um, but I still do some with my grant projects. I'll talk about that in a second. But um, I, what I find really rewarding is helping others to, mm -hmm. to, to be able to share their work in writing. Um, to me, that's like this next layer of, of reward and layer of mentoring that, that I really find rewarding when I can help somebody get their manuscript to a place where it's, you know, it's, it's perfected and it, it, it shares their work. It, it makes me really happy. Um, but relatedly, so when I do still get writing done, it's usually attached to my projects, um, most of which are grant funded. And I think too, if, you know, I take on projects because I really love what I'm doing with that project, it motivates me to then want to share it with others in writing. Um, so it's not just about writing, it's about sharing this exciting thing that I'm doing. And I think that motivates us to make that time. 
Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I, I also like the idea of setting um, deadlines. And so I do the calendar too. I have a physical one. My Zine always makes fun of me, but uh, I, I think it's helpful to kind of see that and then have the accountability of, I have a weekly research meeting on tomorrow. I have one at noon. And so I know that I have to come with something, <laughs> you know, if you come with nothing, then, you know, that it really is, you know, it's embarrassing. So it keeps that, you know, focus of moving forward all the time. Um, and I also do a lot of little projects. We have little grants at Texas Women's University. And in those grants, I started putting in, I have to have something submitted for publication. <laughs> and I know that come May, I have to write, you know, I have to have written something. And so um, putting that in writing, and I think actually setting, you know, specific deadlines um, really helped me. So, Yeah. Um, Babette's mentioned like my, my professional role, the thing I get paid to do um, which is not this podcast, by the way. Um, but the thing I get paid to do uh, takes a lot of the time that I could give to writing. Um, so I think my advice right now, the thing that's helped me keep moving forward is is having good colleagues that that want to write. And so um, they they are doing these things like they're keeping the calendar and they're saying, hey, could you look over this or something like that? There's a few pet projects I've got that... Um, uh, that are just me right now. Like I haven't, I haven't shared them with other people about this is, this is some little math tidbit I'd like to write, or this is something I think is really cool that eventually um, I want to, you know, share with the world and with those things. Um, so I don't forget about them. I try to like on the, I have a couple of places. I got a marker board that um, if I have a thought um, I'm going to write that down on the marker board so that that, is there. And so I look at it. It's not in a notebook somewhere that can get shuffled under something. So it's, it's right there. It's, it's uh, in my face when I'm seeing that. Um, so that, that's one thing I do is try to keep those ideas at least in front of me so that, and then the thing I will say that has worked for me in the past um, is, is just to, to write something every day. It could be a paragraph. It could be a sentence. Um, it could be related to the thing that you're trying to get out, or it could, it could not be, you know, it could just be a grocery list maybe, but to do some sort of writing, um, to, to stay in that habit of, of doing that. Yeah. This echoes some things that people said, like, um, weekly just progress meetings, even if that is like, even if it's just talking to somebody in the hall, like, Hey, what are you going to do? What have you done? What are you going to do next to advance our project or idea? Um, touching it. like Dusty said, touching it every day, just to keep, I, I like think of it as a juggling metaphor, keep the balls in the air. And then, you know, progress will keep being made if you keep doing that again, little things, little things add up. And then also just make, trying to, um, trying to work with that just is implied also to work with others. Um, just, I get a lot of energy out of that. And then also, you know, it's like, Oh, I got several things kind of going, but then also just getting an opportunity to, just be with people. I mean, I think that that becomes something you get excited about too, not just the project and the idea that, but multiple people that are excited about the same thing. And then how do we get it out? Right. And how do we, uh, you know, share it with others. And so that becomes fun. And then I, I, I enjoy that. And sometimes then our, our meetings just become, Hey, how's the family? And yeah. And then at the end, like, and I'll get the next paragraph done. Fantastic. Great. So, um, Awesome. Well, Great I, think, I think starting small is okay too. Mm -hmm. um, you might not be at the point where you know exactly what you want to say in a 30 page manuscript, 
But you might have enough ready to say from having presented your work a couple of times for a five page proceeding, mm-hmm. right? So finding a venue where you do a smaller scale, like maybe a snippet of the work or just the framework um, in a proceeding or in a connections article right? Um, that, that, that motivates you, right? Okay. I've thought through five pages. Now I'm just, now I just have to, to finish the project and, and finish analyzing my data and write that last 20. Um, so like Dusty said, doing a little bit can motivate you to, to, to finish. Perfect. All right. So want to honor people's times and, and I know that, uh, we've got some things to promote. So what do, what do, what do we have to, to promote at AMT? What, what's some things that we can point to? Uh, well, we have, a. a couple a couple calls right now um we always as we mentioned earlier always have an ongoing call for for ideas for a new book um we also in connections have a special call for articles right now that's um that's due march 30 to get in the um the summer issue which is really looking at um uh the integration that people doing work that's integrating math education with other areas like um science ed or technology whatever it might be um and the spring issue of connections will be out in the next week so we we do have that reblasted in there it's also on the AMTE website um and we also in MTE have a special call for articles um it's it's really looking at um a previous issue of MTE that that had a tool and it's for people to really reflect on their usage of it and just write a few pages on how they use the tool, what they've learned. Um, and we're hoping this will be um, an ongoing sort of column in MTE. Nice. Um, and the each each call, we're really going to point to previous articles and then people who have connected with those and used some of those ideas can share how they did that. Um, and both of these opportunities, connections and MTE right now, it's just a few pages. And so it's it's one of those baby steps ways to get out this idea that then could motivate you to do something that's a, maybe a full manuscript down the road. Nice. Cool. And that also helps build that professional knowledge base that you were talking about earlier, Babette. Mm-hmm. So here's a tool. And now somebody's used the tool and here's how they've used it. And let's share that and let's keep building. Love it. Absolutely. And how about you? Like with a site, any, any special calls or anything that we can point to? When we do have our um, issues that we have, they are shared amongst all the different um, site math uh, journals. So it's not just math education. We typically, so it's published four times a year, but we typically only put, um, one to two articles per issue. And so we we don't really get to do a lot of special calls just because if we did, it would have to be shared amongst all the, yeah. the different divisions. But um, but we are definitely always looking for articles dealing with technology and teacher preparation. So um, anything involved with that, please talk to us about it if you have any questions. But we definitely are, are looking for some more. We don't really have a whole lot. I think we have two right now that are kind of in the system um, that are either getting reviewed or, or whatnot. So we definitely could have some more for our reviewers to look at. Opportunities, folks. And anything else to promote outside of, of publication? Anything else that you want to mention? Babette, do you have anything else you want to mention? Any projects um, just to, to echo that um, our handbook, um, our volume five, and um, this was an idea that came from the organization, from our PEB division group and conversations I had with Mike Steele. 
Um, so we're actually editors for this one. Um, and like I said, I've been in the process of hunting down those final reviews and um, also giving feedback to um, accepted and um, authors right now. So um, look for that in the fall. I'm really excited about it. We have so many wonderful chapters that are going to be part of this with all different areas. So the idea is really a collection of of where we are with the field, but also where we need to go um, with all areas of math teacher ed. Nice. And and anything else to promote outside, even outside of AMTE stuff, anything? Uh, no, I, but I would just encourage you all, if you are interested in site math, to please go look at that webinar. I think, um, I think it was really yep. well done. And so it's something to where um, I think that hopefully that'll be of benefit to you all too. So thank you so much. Great. Dusty, anything closing words from you? Uh, just to, I, I love doing the podcast. Thanks. And thanks Babette uh, for coming on. Yeah. yeah thank you. Lots <laughs> of great stuff. Promote thanks our podcast. Like us. and subscribe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> thanks again for listening to the teaching math teaching podcast. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to the podcast, just like Dusty said. And we hope that you were able to take action on something you just heard. Lots of great stuff to take action on and interact with other math teacher educators. Speaking of interacting, what do you want to hear about an upcoming podcast? Who do you want to hear from? Let us know about the virtual uh, through the virtual suggestion box. Find it at the Contact Us page at teachingmathteachingpodcast.com or in the show notes for this episode. Also, did you know that AMTE has another podcast, the Mathematics Teacher Educator Podcast? We just talked about that. The MTE podcast accompanies the latest edition of the Mathematics Teacher Educator Journal and has authors authors join host Ava Thanheiser as they discuss the work they have published in the journal. Find a link to the MTE podcast website in the show notes for this episode. Lots of good links in the, in the show notes, but thank you again for listening. <laughs>